You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. And our guest today is Elizabeth Ice. And Elizabeth is CEO and founder of Results Resourcing. Uh, and we're going to find out a little bit more about the business and her background. Elizabeth, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Glad to be here today. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit because I know you're you're in the business of talent, in the business of finding resources. Let's go back a little bit and find out a little bit more about you before we dig into the business. How did you get into this space? What was your professional background? Why focus on talent and resourcing? Well, it wasn't really obvious to tell you the truth. I spent uh, a number of of, uh, years in Fortune 500 businesses, the insurance industry specifically, running businesses and starting as a risk underwriter and really learning what makes a good business run. What business would you want to insure? That kind of thing. And over time, I, I felt a bit typecast as an insurance exec and literally 20 years ago, up and left and joined my first tech startup and began consulting for um, small and mid-sized businesses, primarily services businesses. And in the course of that work, I got really good at finding great contract or freelance talent because I needed to bring short-term resources to projects or to fill um, very specific expertise demands with the startups I worked with or the small and mid-sized businesses I was working with. And the interesting thing is the clients started to notice and they would say, oh, that Bruce is an awesome talent, but I know Bruce is on your team. Can you find us a Bruce? And that is literally how this started. So I think for many entrepreneurs, that's what happens. You see yeah. a niche and you just climb right in. Yeah. And so for an, a couple of years, I just kind of did that ad hoc. And I would find ways to leverage the many talent networks that are out there. But I had you know, my unique ways of finding unusual places that freelance talent would be available or you just kind of develop your own personal network of yeah. people that want to work with you. And, and that's really what started it. And then I realized that my particular passion through a variety of experiences was helping smaller businesses and, and that, that just not the enterprise size, but smaller businesses that didn't know about what's now called the gig economy or didn't understand the literally 350 talent platforms that are out there today. Yeah where buyers and sellers of talents can come together and really didn't have the time, frankly, to become expert in that thing that they needed to focus, as Peter Drucker would say, on what they do best yeah. and not focused on trying to develop another skill about finding and qualifying great freelance talent. And so I happen to be a little geeky, too. And so <laughs> I am always interested in how can we systemize something. And that was especially important for smaller and mid-sized businesses because it needed to be cost effective yeah. for a smaller and mid-sized business to want to try freelance talent, let alone find, you know, use a service to, to find that talent for them. So I uh, spent a couple of years in design and built, co-developed Results Resourcing, the technology platform mm -hmm. that that runs our business. And that's really kind of how it got started. And we've been in the process of working with a number of small and mid-sized businesses over the past few years, teaching them about the advantages of the gig economy and how they can leverage it to grow their businesses. 
That's great. So let's talk a little bit about how to use freelancers. And I think I think usually the strategy or the kind of the, the initial thought for most people is, well, I can't afford or I can't commit to a full-time hire, so I'm going to do I'm going to do a freelance or a contract. But you know, that's that's only one reason to to really consider freelancing. I mean, there's there's lots of other benefits or reasons you might will look at a contract position or a freelance position. Tell me a little bit about how, you know, some of your clients and some of the work that you've done and why people look at contract or freelance resources rather than going full-time? Well, that's a great question. And I think it really brings up a number of reasons that this area of talent is beginning to really thrive. And frankly, by recent study I saw, by 2027, there are going to be a majority of freelancers in the United States compared to employees. Yeah. And that there's just an amazing trajectory both ways and the the crossroads is in 2027. And so I think there's a number of reasons. And for businesses in particular, what freelancers gives them is business agility and the fact that they can try things, they can add expertise to their core team uh, without having to make a long-term commitment, which, you know, implies, you know, management, benefits, taxes, you know, and, you know, a long-term relationship, not an on-demand relationship. And so I think that many businesses are going freelance for certain kinds of skills because it it allows them to add expertise on demand when they need it for as, as long as they need it. And I think part of that also is that, especially with technology, uh, talent the need for talent is a need for more and more, more specialized talent. And perhaps talent you don't even need full-time. You, you need an exemplary user experience designer, for example, but it's not your core business. It's just you, you're working with an interface in your website or something like that. And you, you, your regular web developer isn't providing that level of service. And so I think that freelance talent offers the ability to bring in really amazing talent. In fact, talent you that small and mid-sized businesses probably couldn't hire directly because they don't have a big enough brand or enough variety in the work. And so freelancers can basically have a portfolio of clients in really interesting work across a number of industries and bring all of that to the table for the benefit of any individual client. So I think that the business agility is probably the biggest and and it's a very cost-efficient solution for bringing great talent on board. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, the idea that you brought up is an important one, which is the that companies like even if you were willing to bring in bring someone in as a full time hire, there there are many resources, many types of talent that actually would not take the full time position because yeah, it doesn't have the diversity, it doesn't have the growth opportunity. I mean, it's not a company they would want to work for full time. And actually, by doing it as a contractor or freelance, you can access levels of talent or types of talent that you just you could not do on a full time basis. And I think that's a lot of things. A lot of times, people don't think about that or don't consider contract, you know, freelance model as a way to get that talent, you know, again, at, when they need it, for the amount they need it, you know, um, sort of the flexibility side, but it actually accesses or it opens up talent pools to them. Absolutely does. And and I mentioned a little bit earlier the, the flexibility and particularly when, when small and mid-sized businesses are trying out new ideas, it's a great way to leverage experience in the market without having to commit fully to that idea. Maybe you're thinking about a new product line or moving into a new area of, of 
of the country, for example, you can really hire people that that have already been there, done that, and got the T-shirt, and learn from them, and, yeah. and tweak your experience, tweak things with them before you actually go live, or maybe decide not to go live at all uh, because the timing's not right, or something like that. So it's just so interesting how technology is really enabled, as I say, buyers and sellers to come together, you know, over the internet to find each other and find matches that can be really mutually beneficial. Yeah, and, and so you mentioned another stat earlier in the conversation was, um, you know, at some point we're gonna there's gonna be more. Free freelance contract professionals than full-time professionals. Um, what do, do you have any sense of what's driving that? Is that uh, a temporary thing? Is that going to be um, you know, a, a thing that's going to continue to grow? I mean, what's, what's your take on the, the nature of talent, the nature of employment uh, at this point you know, in terms of this trend? And you know, what, what does that mean for business owners who are looking to you know, grow their businesses? Well, I'll start with the last question first is what does it mean? And, and I think it really means that businesses need to adopt a much more flexible approach to talent. Talent. And talent is about access to talent as opposed to acquiring talent, yeah. which you know has a lot of ramifications. But the, the reason I say that is that this is not a flash in the pan type thing. This is a trend that's been going on for many years now, and, it, and it's driven by a number of things. But it's primarily the shift from fixed employment models to flexible employment models. And not only is that good for business, but it's also good for talent. And in fact, there was another study done not too long ago ago. And what I found so striking was that over 90% of both business owners and employees agreed that companies that are good at managing a mix of agile talent or freelance talent, contract talent, and employees are going to be the more successful companies in the future. And I think that the unanimity there was, was really striking. But I think that what's happening on the worker side is you know, there, and if you look at it in terms of demographics, it's interesting because, you know, older workers are not so keen to hang up their spurs. Yeah. You know, people, the baby boomers want more flexible lifestyles, but there's no reason that they can't be going around the, the, the world, frankly, and still access the internet and able to do contract projects and yeah. still add value and, and not really retire. And then you go to the opposite of this end of the spectrum, you know, to the millennials, and, and they want and expect more flexible work, working environments. Yeah. And so they're digital natives, and I think they're going to drive it as well. So a couple of questions around that. So I think one is, so you mentioned this this blend of full-time and contract freelance talent staffing. What roles do you not recommend someone look at this kind of flexible model? What what roles do you say, no, you, you really you know, should or should consider that as a full-time role versus, you know, a flexible contract freelance role? I would say that it's going to differ by company. Okay. And the reason I say that is because as a general rule, and again, going back to Peter Drucker, you know, you should focus on what your core business is. Yeah. And that core business probably requires some sort of a core staff that is, you know, in the trenches with you, is committed to your brand, you know, maybe have even has an equity stake in whatever it might be. And that core team, I don't think can be replaced. Now, if you're a solopreneur, that's different. But as a general rule, you need some core team that holds everything together. And I don't, freelancers aren't appropriate for that role. And some of that is, you know, legal and, and tax, legis tax uh, law, where, you know, if somebody is really performing your core business, that's an employee. It's not a freelancer. Yeah. 
So, and that's going to differ depending on what, what industry you're in. But at the same time, I can't think of too many roles that aren't available on a freelance basis. And for our company, Results Resourcing, about the only jobs that we don't think really work from our experience are what I would call sales jobs, true sales jobs, because the, the sales cycle is too long for a freelance job. And most freelancers really don't want to do pure sales work and they don't want to work on commission. You know, they mm, want yeah. to work milestones or, hour, or hourly fees. Now, that's not to say sales support people aren't plentiful, yeah. but true sales, I don't think is a good match. And then, as I said before, you know, if you've got core skills to your business, I think those are most appropriate for employees. Yeah, I think that makes sense. You know, the, thing, the things that really differentiate you in the market or the, the, your critical capability is that allow you to function as a business. You know, you need, you need some kind of long-term commitment and, um, you know, stability around, but, uh, you know, all these other ones. And I, I think as you really kind of press on those questions, there's a lot, there's a lot of things you can actually freelance that you, you may originally think that, no, no, I absolutely need this in-house. But, you know, when you really think about it and you push it, there's a lot of things that you could be more flexible around. Absolutely. When you, when you go back to your earlier question about the type of work. In the old days, things people were hired for broad jobs and they would do whatever was necessary within marketing, for example. And But now with particularly technology, you need to be specialized. If you're choosing to do Facebook ads, that's highly specialized. That's not something that a broad marketing person is going to necessarily be particularly good at. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's just many, many examples of when you really break down jobs into components or specific tasks that, that obviously requires management expertise to even think about how to componentize jobs and manage tasks as opposed to broad roles. It's, it's a, it's a skill set in itself, but there is much that can be um, outsourced, you know, once you've developed the proper framework for that. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about that. I think that's uh, an interesting idea. It's a company, if you're really going to go on this model, you know, one of the things you need to be good at is is how to actually sort of break up the jobs or, or look at the roles and figure out what parts of your process or what parts of your roles you're going to, you know, try to find outside resources for. How do you, you know, advise or help companies kind of figure that out so that the, they really are, you know, going to the market with the right role in a way that they can manage effectively and get the results that they want? Well, I think that uh, it goes to the heart of some of the things that, you know, scaling services businesses is all about, yeah. uh, which is really process. And process can be exciting. Process can be thinking strategically about what are the steps that need to be taken to get X, Y, or Z done. And in fact, there's a lot of conversation these days about everyone's familiar with supply chain and that, oh, you need paper, bolts, whatever it might be to deliver your product or service. But really, there's a talent supply chain. It's the same idea. It's just what talent components do you need to do the different stages of work? And it's generally not going to be one person. It's going to be multiple people. And I think that it's just thinking through what are the steps to deliver my value to the market and figuring out what skills are required to, to, to deliver the different stages. And then it's a matter of saying, well, are, are those core abilities and do I have those people in-house? Or perhaps they're getting more and more specialized and I need to find you know new ways to bring the right talent to bear to deliver that value to the market. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I think that whole you know, kind of designing, designing your business process, designing your business system, and then figure out, okay, well, how do I, how do I integrate the, the various kind of sources of talent that I have, and then adjusting yeah. it over time. I mean, certainly, it's one of the things I preach is, you know, your process is never static. It's something that you're continuously improving on, and, and I think the same thing is true with talent. As you get bigger, as the industry shifts, as you formalize 
and adjust your products and services, you need to do the same thing with the talent. You, you need to figure out where you're going to upgrade and shift and change. For sure. And I think that it goes back to whether you're talking about employees or freelance talent, there are there are adjustments to traditional models. For example, the whole notion of remote work, whether you're talking about employees or contract workers, which very often are remote, that requires a shift in thinking too, because if you're used to managing next to the the water cooler or being able to call people together physically in, a, in an office, that's that's probably not the way of the world long term. And, and it also goes back to a comment you made a second ago about, you didn't use the word loyalty, but commitment to the brand. And and I think a lot of people worry that, oh, I don't want to hire a freelancer because they're not going to be dedicated to me. And I they worry about my intellectual property. But, you know, I, I think those fears are kind of, while it's always good to be concerned about those things, I think they're a little exaggerated because you don't have any hold over employees either. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I think that's the thing that, that keeps coming up for me is people, yeah, well, they're not dedicated. I was like, well, but, you know, in some respects, they're more dedicated because, you know, yeah. they've got to earn the next, you know, the next gig, the next account, right? They're, they want to do more work for you. You know, employees exactly. can get a little. They can well, get a little. It's like, funny oh, I've got a full-time job. Because, I'm sorry, I was talking over you there. Yeah, well, I was just going to say it's funny that that you laugh there because one of the things that I find the most attractive about freelancers is the professional freelancers are business owners. Yeah. They do not have an employee mentality. They have a P&L. They think about what they need to do to develop a brand and a reputation in the market, and they're extremely committed to the success of their clients. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really, I think that's probably one of the big kind of mindset shifts that I've seen. People that have successfully used uh, kind of freelancers and, and uh, you know, contractors in the company, they, they realize that and, you know, and they make sure they're developing good partnerships and relationships with these folks because, yeah, they're, they're business owners too. And they're they're really looking at a partnership rather than this kind of, well, I, I hire somebody and now, you know, I kind of have to support them and responsible for them. The only real option they have is to fire them, which is, you know, is costly and yep. is painful and, you know, creates a lot of cultural drama and stuff. So, you know, I think there's some real advantages, you know, to these things that the people, if, if they think about it differently, that, that you can get. I think but, it's about creating that a talent ecosystem. And as I said earlier, access to talent and bringing everyone on board. It, that, that's a talent strategy, not a short-term measure, but it's something that, that we're doing as a company to have on-demand access to the talent we need to be successful in, in having everyone embrace that. Yeah. And I, I've seen some of your writing and you talk about this, the blowfish strategy, <laughs> the blowfish economy. Um, you know, and I think there's, and we could talk a little bit about it, but I think it really is, you know, more than just a, a, a solution to the kind of common talent problem. And it really is a business strategy. I mean, it's a really operational strategy that says, look, we are, we're going to design this company to take advantage or to, to operate around this principle. Talk to us a little bit about how, you know, the, the blowfish idea, you know, what it is, and then, you know, how companies can really look at it at a fundamental level in terms of how they operate. Okay. Well, it was one of those one of those moments. I was just thinking about the benefits of, of the gig economy. And, and for whatever reason, the image of a blowfish showed up in my, in my mind. And, you know, a blowfish or a small company is going about its business, surviving and thriving. And when it encounters a threat, it can puff up and appear and and actually be larger to deter you know competitors and i was just thinking that it's such a good analogy really for what freelancers can be to small and mid-sized companies because either offensively or defensively by bringing the right skills on board you can actually be bigger compete bigger act bigger without necessarily shouldering you know all the infrastructure costs 
and the, the, the benefit costs, you know, of, of those of those people. So to me, it was just very a visually compelling notion, which I've termed the blowfish effect of the gig economy. No, I love it. I, I like the, the it's a very great visual. And I think you're right. It, it works on both both the offense and defense mode, you know, how you can use that strategy. If, if a company is fundamentally looking at that kind of strategy from an operations point of view, what are the things that you think they really need to get right or they think they need to focus on in terms of, you know, talent? I mean, uh, you know, is this about, you talk about access to talent. Is there particular strategies that you recommend or even like onboarding or communications or like what are the things that, that companies that execute on this model well do to make that work? What have you noticed? Well, what I've noticed is, as I mentioned before, they've, they've really stepped back and they've thought about it as a strategy as opposed to a short-term measure to fill a spot. And, and as part of that, that is thinking about, well, how are they going to manage a team of core team members plus contractors that may come in and out? And I think that one of the things that shows up quickly is how, do I, how does a company develop relationships with quality freelancers that can come in and out of their teams as needed to add value, but, you know, have knowledge about their businesses and can come in and deliver value quickly. And that that is all about communications and setting up process to make that happen. And, and that goes back to whether there are tools that are use, you know, whether they're like Skype or Zoom or, you know, meetings that they have as, as teams that bring everybody together. And so I think that it's just thinking about the structure of, of that and getting everyone on board, incorporating it into how you access and manage talent and, and then manage work. And more and more, freelance work is really all about more short-term measurement, setting up milestones. What are the goalposts and how are we doing progressing towards them? with ownership that needs to exist in the core team as well as the, as the freelancers. And I think that's another thing that frankly matches what's happening in workforce management in general, which is you shouldn't wait for the annual review. Too much gets lost yeah. and there's not enough you know, metrics and measuring. You get what you measure. And I think that uh, all these things apply equally. And so on the one hand, we're kind of looking at freelancers off to the side and thinking, oh, we've got to do something differently. But I don't really think we do need to do things differently. I think we need to develop a strategy that works for resources, period, and just apply it differently. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think so that, that stepping back and preparing is probably the most important step because you minimize disappointment that way. You've got structure in place because people are people. I mean, there, no matter how well you curate, there can be disappointments or there can simply be personal things that come up, you know, illnesses and families or whatever that whether it's a freelancer or an employee, real life shows up. And it's the hiring a freelancer is not a failure because something like that happens. Yeah. So I think there's a certain amount of responsibility that just needs to occur in preparation uh, for a really successful 21st century work <laughs> work uh, style experience. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, let's talk <laughs> a little bit about how to go about this. So uh, I know you, you know, you have your platform, you have your strategies, and and I'm sure you have all sorts of proprietary, you know, techniques and, and things you've learned and, and stuff. But if, you know, if someone's trying to do this on their own or, or looking at finding some contractors and freelance resources, how do you go about this? You mentioned that there are, you know, 350 now, you know, job, you know, job boards, <laughs> you know, sources of, of these things. What do you recommend in terms of helping people sort of start this process? You know, where, what are your points of advice that you might be able to give? Okay. Well, uh, without making this seem totally self-serving, I think the biggest thing that people need to think about 
is that there is a do-it-yourself syndrome. And I think we all have it because we have computers on our phones and the internet's readily available. And it's so easy just to go online and type something in a, in a, in a search bar and, and start doing things. And so I think that being clear about what you're looking for, and that goes back to the process and the defining the skills you're looking for and the specific outcomes that, that you want to achieve is step number one, whether you decide to do it yourself or get anyone to help you. But then once that's done, I think people need to also look at what is the cost of doing it yourself, because it's really a, a, a time and expense kind of idea. It's like, how much time is it going to take me to find the right platforms to to look for talent and do the process of finding and vetting that talent? Because most of the platforms work in a way where there's a form you fill out, you type in what you need, you press a button and a bunch of profiles show up. And somebody's got to go through all those profiles and somebody's then got to decide, well, if if you type in writing, literally a thousand people might show up on a particular platform. Oh, yeah. I've I've seen like (laughs) 10,000. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Some of these are like you you put in a a certain skill set or a job description and it tells you that there are 10,000 people that might be interesting and that might be a good fit for this job. It's like, okay. And and you're fried after looking at five or 10 of them. And so, so those are all things that can be very discouraging. And I will say that's really was one of the inspirations for the tact I took because I frankly was my own first client. I was the one hiring and I was having these experiences on these different platforms. And to me, the, the secret was utilizing technology. And this applies if you do want to go the do-it-yourself route, utilize the technology for what computing is good for, which is data analysis and sorting and filtering. And if you're really clear about what you want, you're that much further ahead because you're not looking for something vague. You're looking for something very specific. And that makes makes it easier to get better matches on the platforms. But the thing that I felt was missing from most of the platforms was the human touch is at the end of the day, you need skill, experience, and cost, but you also need the human interaction, the the cultural fit. And so my specific objective with results resourcing was to leverage computing power, but I thought about scaling results resourcing every single aspect of it, not just the talent matching. And so our system integrates access to a human at the right points in time where they step in and they'll review the job profile to make sure it's complete or they'll decide what platforms to post it to, or actually we'll do an interview of the people that we think are the best candidates. And we can do that efficiently because we thought about scaling results resourcing from the get-go so we could make all that affordable for our target client, which are small and mid-sized businesses. And so I think that's one of the things that needs to be considered when, when people are deciding to hire you know, is it pretty much cut and dried and you don't need that kind of assistance? Or if you do, there there are other solutions where some platforms do some pre-vetting for you and you're picking from people profiles that have been pre-vetted to results resourcing, which basically does the finding, vetting, curating and interviewing for you so you don't have to. And there's really a, a wide range of, of what's available and it's picking what's best for you and your cost benefit equation. Yeah, it makes sense. I, I always found I spent a lot of time in, in consulting in the tech space, and, and some of our best clients were, were ones that tried to do it themselves. <laughs> and, like, and it was very painful, and it took a lot of time. It cost a lot of money, and then they would hire us to do it. Uh, yes, so I can so I can imagine. I totally get it. Yeah, I, I imagine you get a lot of that. So we're we're just gonna we're gonna be at time here quickly. If people want to find out more about you about results resourcing, what's the best way to get more information? 
Well, our website is Results Resourcing, and we named the company specifically because we resource results. Um, we are very much focused on the success of our clients, and that's the, the, that's the talent that we look for is to help our clients succeed. So it's results resourcing, and uh, that that's the best way to get a hold of us. It's Excellent. just going to our website. We've got a contact form or just a button to get started. Awesome. I'll make sure that the link is in the show notes here so that they can uh, <laughs> click through and get it. Elizabeth, this has been a pleasure. I'm sure we could uh, we could talk for a while about some of the details on here, and, and maybe we can set up future episodes. But uh, I appreciate the time, and, and thank you for being on the show. Thank you so much. It's been really fun and really enjoyed the conversation. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.